Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Hey, Show Your Scars. I hope you guys are doing well and wherever this podcast meets you in your week, I hope that it brings you what you need to hear. I think that's one of the coolest things about this podcast is somebody could listen to it now, somebody could listen to it in a year, and hopefully the content helps you through the journey that you're going through right now. I'm excited to welcome on Julie Hubbard to the podcast today. Julie is a physical therapist in the Boston area, and I got connected with Julie through someone on the ACL Club Instagram who was a collegiate basketball player and got connected to Julie because she's doing a lot of work with reducing the risk of injury for young athletes in the Boston area and hoping to spread that and give kids the right tools in order to decrease their risk of injury. So Julie and I chatted and we had a really good conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. We talked everything from her growing up to her collegiate decisions, going from one school at Penn State and transferring to UConn. And then we talk about how she really leaned on her family during her rehabilitation process. She stayed involved with the team and how her injury really launched her into the career that she's doing now. She took something that was difficult and found a way to help other people through it. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as I dive in to the rehab process with Julie Hubbard. Good morning, Julie. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining me. I'm excited to talk with you because I feel like our worlds interact so much. We have common friends from soccer. Um, and one of the coolest things I think is the power of social media. You know, if you use it correctly, it can really connect a lot of different people. And um, I got connected to you through Caroline Doty, who's a good friend of yours. Right. Correct. Yeah. That's through the, the Instagram community. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. And it helps get us the people that we want to talk to and the people that I think the listeners would appreciate what um, not only your story, because you have a crazy story, but also what you're doing now and how you're working to help uh, reduce the risk of people that are joining the ACL club and that do get injured. So I'm excited to dive straight into this and get to know you a little bit more. So uh, let's start with who you are and what you're doing currently right now in the Boston area. Sure, yeah. Um, so as you know, my name is Julie Hubbard. Um, I grew up a soccer player. Uh, I played two seasons at Penn State, and then I transferred to the University of Connecticut. And I was actually there for four seasons. Um, because I ended up tearing my ACL a couple of times. Um, and then, you know, I kind of thought about what I wanted to do, and I decided that I would like to pay it forward to other people that are kind of going through the struggle tearing their ACLs 
and I decided to go to graduate school and become a physical therapist. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing now. I just graduated. I work at a outpatient orthopedic clinic in the Boston area. Um, we specialize in sports medicine and I've recently started a new project where I'm trying to take on soccer clients, uh, either individual or group sessions where I just kind of teach kids how to move better. Uh, we do a little bit of strengthening, a little bit of speed, quickness, and agility, you know, teach them how to land properly, different biomechanics. And hopefully we can kind of put a halt to the epidemic at hand it is. Uh, in terms of ACL tears. It really is. It's an epidemic. And I think that's a fair word to use for it because it is just um, going through our country in crazy numbers and something does need to be done about it. So I'm glad that there are other people, uh, you know, like me, like a few other people that I've talked to that are just as concerned about it. So I'm excited to dive into a lot of those different things that you mentioned, but let's start more from the beginning. So you grew up playing soccer. What was it about the sport that uh, had you hooked at an early age? Um, you know, I think it was the social aspect of it. Um, I made a lot of really, really good friends through the sport of soccer. And even to this day, they're my very best friends. Um, are all the ones that I either played with growing up or in high school. Um, my friends from Penn State, I hold very dear to my heart. Um, and then my UConn friends. Um, so I think from that, that piece, that social piece, I was hooked from the very beginning. Um, and I'm glad that, glad that I, I played for as long as I did because I have some of the best friends on the planet, I think. And it's one of the best parts. And I think one of the hardest parts that when you get injured is you feel like you lose that in some aspects. And that's one of the things I talk to people about the most is how to help your friends understand what's going on to you when you're going through this process. And for you, you had a few big major injuries. When was your first injury that you had? Okay. So I <laughs> Here we go. four times. Oh. Yeah. Um, my first one was my junior year in high school. So back in 2007, um, I had just committed to play soccer at Penn State, and I went to a, a college showcase down in North Carolina um, with my team out of Philadelphia, and I tore it for the first time. Um, you know, did the whole rehab thing, came back stronger than ever. Um, I got through two good seasons at Penn State, uh, feeling pretty good. I decided to transfer to UConn for personal reasons. Um, when I got there, I think I maybe made it through three games of my first season. Um, and I got, I got slide tackled at Harvard and I ended up tearing it again. Um, so again, I kind of went through the rehab process and then about six or seven months later, I wasn't even released to play yet. We were kind of doing a, a non-contact drill in our indoor training facility and I just, I cut the wrong way and I tore it again. Um, so I had to kind of repeat the process, start over. Uh, I went through another like, year long rehab. That one was a good 12 months of, of not being able to play. Um, and then I came back again. You know, I got through my final two years at UConn without much of a hiccup. Um, you know, I got my senior day and I had some, some good seasons there. And then, uh, you know, I decided to take a little break. I went to PT school in Boston. And then, actually, I tore my ACL for the fourth time this past year. 
I was out in San Diego on um, like a clinical rotation and I decided to join a social sports league to make friends. You know, that's kind of why I, I've always played soccer and I ended up tearing my ACL in the first game. So I am currently rehabbing uh, ACL number four. So that's kind of my, my story there. And all on the same leg. No, uh, my most recent one was on my good knee. So I had three on the left and then this one was my right one. Oh man, that is quite the uh, amount of events that happened to you. And one of the things that you were saying there is uh, I just went through the rehab process and you make it sound so easy, right? And I think that when we look back, we just, we do it, right? Like when it's something of the past, it just, it was like an everyday occurrence. But can you recall, especially that rehab when you're in high school, because I feel like we talked to a lot of and speak to a lot of high school kids. And for me, I'd never experienced a ACL injury in high school. So I don't know what that felt like. I can't, you know, I can't put myself in their shoes because that, that wasn't me. I can try to, Sure. but for yeah. you, what were the, you know, the most challenging aspects of that rehab and that injury when you were in high school? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, when I was in high school, I tore it when I was about 16 and that's kind of right around the age where people are starting to have the conversation about, you know, like, an, what is an ACL? Like most, most kids don't even know. Um, they don't understand the injury. Um, they don't understand what it means in terms of how long you're out and, you know, the rigorous physical therapy that you kind of have to endure. So I think from that standpoint, I felt like nobody understood what I was going through. Um, it's a little bit different than my rehabs in college because, you know, in the soccer community, I feel like everyone, that's a conversation that everyone's having mm-hmm. at least, um, you know, like at UConn or Penn State, everyone kind of knew what it meant when you tore your ACL. But in high school, you know, nobody, nobody had a clue. So it was a really, it was a really, really hard time for me. Um, I got you know, very depressed. I missed, you know, hanging out with my friends at soccer practice, at games. Um, you know, and then even down to silly things like prom, like I had to go to prom in a knee brace and, um, you know, kids at that age can be a little bit brutal. Um, and you kind of get poked fun at. And I remember some of my teachers kind of poked fun at me as well, you know, like for being Forrest Gump or, or something like that. And, you know, I think that maybe people just don't, people just don't know. They don't understand at that, at that level. So that can be really, really hard to get through. And looking back now and knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to people who are in high school who maybe are dealing with those same issues? Um, you know, you have to play the cards that you're dealt. It's a, it's a really terrible thing. It's hard, um, but you do get through it. You know, you have to take each day as it comes and you have to do the rehab. Um, you know, I guess the, the biggest advice would just be to you know, kind of take it with a grain of salt and let people talk because they will um, and they won't understand what it's like. And all you can do is kind of uh, understand that and you can tell them what it's like, but kind of realize that you're, you know, it's it's something that, that they just won't understand. Yeah. And I think what you said there too is important is they they might not understand it. Right. But I think you communicating and saying, you know, when your teacher, if your teacher does say something to you, 
hey, you know, stay after class and say something. If you have the urge to say something and say, you know, that really hurt my feelings because I'm struggling with this. This is really hard for me. And I feel like my body is working against me, like everything I've worked for. And I just would really like it if you would support me in my like with positive comments and positive thoughts because I feel like I'm alone and I I need that from other people. Absolutely. Yeah. Stand up for yourself and, you know, educate other people, mm-hmm. tell them what it's like, you know, tell them what it means. Like, Oh yes, I just, I had this major surgery. I'm now out for six to nine months. Um, it's a very rigorous rehab process where I have to first learn how to bend my knee again, let alone learn how to walk, mm-hmm. then learn how to run, and then learn how to, you know, kind of operate functionally, cut, jump, all that kind of stuff. So tell people, tell tell them, educate, because I think that ignorance is the biggest problem um, in that regard. It really is. I think that's great advice because people don't know, and the only way that they'll know or begin to understand is if you have the courage you know this this journey takes you know develops so many characteristics within yourself and I think courage is one of those and to say to step up in those moments and say how you feel and help inform them is a courageous act and I think it really helps you grow absolutely um so you come back from that one and I I think that's great advice for everybody not only people in high school but I think that's just a you know, mentally, you're at such a different brain development stage in life that it's hard to see what's beyond that. But um, you were able to get back and play again and play in college. And what's curious to me about your journey is that you got through those couple years at Penn State and then you went to UConn and got injured fairly quickly. Do you feel like there was a difference in the way that you trained or the way that you worked off outside of the field that affected that that second knee injury you said it was a tackle so it might have just been yeah I think it was honestly just kind of some bad luck um because you know two-thirds of ACL injuries are non-contact um and those are the ones where you can pretty I don't want to say you can control that um but you can lessen your risk in terms of um you know different biomechanical and strengthening um training but so that was a contact injury for me and that could happen to anyone you know stepping off a curb wrong um, so I attribute that one to, to kind of bad luck as opposed to a difference in training. Mm-hmm. What were your initial thoughts after that one? Did you know right away? Oh yeah. I knew right away. Um, it's kind of, it's a feeling that you don't forget. Like, you know, the, the pop and the, you know, you hit the ground and you're just kind of like, Oh, not again. Um, my dad was actually at the game and he's an orthopedist. So he mm-hmm. came right over and, and kind of checked me out and was just like, yeah, Jules, like, I'm, I'm really sorry. Um, so, you know, I, I knew right away and it was incredibly def- deflating because I had just transferred from Penn State. Um, this was my first season with UConn. I was, you know, Playing. starting. Yeah. But like, yeah, I felt like I was like on top of the world. Like I was getting all sorts of praise from my coaches and it was just it was awesome and then you know that came and it was just like everything came crashing down so and to have it happen again six months seven months later um that almost feels like deja vu right like didn't I already live this yeah that was awful um 
that was probably one of the hardest times in my life. Um, you know, just because you're questioning everything. You're questioning, you know, do I even have my comeback? Like, you know, I've already torn my ACL three times. Um, my my last ACL happened six months ago. Like, do I really want to put in the effort and invest my time to actually come back? Um, so I struggled with that decision for a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, finally, finally kind of came to the decision that I wanted to I wanted to finish my collegiate career. I wanted a senior day. I wanted, um, I wanted that for me. So I decided to to come back again, but it was, it was brutal. I remember those days like it was yesterday and I would never want to go back to that time. Right. And what was your mindset going into that one? Because you do, I think every time you have to, it's healthy to go through those first stages of grieving, right? Like why me? And this isn't fair and all those things, but you have to at some point make that decision and flip the switch and decide that you're going to have a certain mindset going into the rehabilitation. How did you wrap your head around that again so quickly? And then when you decided, what was your mindset going into this rehab? Was it different than the previous ones? Um, you know, so I had a lot of support from my teammates and my coaches and my athletic training staff, um, who kind of told me that they, and and I family, obviously my parents and my siblings, um, and everyone kind of told me that they would support me with whatever decision I wanted to make, whether it be to go back to soccer or to kind of hang up the cleats. Um, and I think I just decided for me, like that was always my dream. I wanted to play professional soccer. I wanted to play division one soccer at the highest level. Um, you know, I wanted to start, I wanted the scholarships, I wanted to be the captain, like, you know, I had all of these aspirations for myself and I had pretty much just decided that I wasn't going to let, um, injury hold me back, something that I, I couldn't really control. Um, I've always told myself to control the controllables. So what that means is you can control, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond. Um, so from that, I just decided, yes, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to give it my all every single day. It can't be half and half. You can't kind of go through the rehab. You kind of have to dedicate 100% of yourself and give it everything you have um, to come back the best athlete that you can be. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of how I handled that. And. In all three of those rehabilitations, do you remember a point or a few points in the the rehab that were the toughest for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that every rehab had a different challenge. Um, The first rehab, you know, you're kind of just learning what an ACL injury is and and what it means. Um, So, you know, rehab number one, I think the hardest part was just kind of learning how to bend you know, just bending that knee after surgery and trying to get to, you know, 90 or 100 degrees of flexion was terrible. Because it awful. feels so, yeah, you're like, this doesn't, yeah. feel, this hurts. It must be wrong. Right. It's awful. And you sit there and you let, you know, some man or woman crank on your knee and you got tears coming down your face and you're just like, wow, this is absolutely awful. Um so I think that was probably the biggest challenge for me in, in number one. Um, you know, number number two, I 
would say probably just the mental piece of coming to a new school and, and kind of having that yanked away from me immediately. Um, I struggled with that. Um, the team was always on the road and I never traveled with them. So I was in a new school. I didn't have any friends. Like, you know, the friends that I did have were off traveling and flying and I was removed from them. So that was probably the hardest challenge for, for number two. Um, number three, oh boy, number three. The biggest challenge, again, I think was, was the mental piece, but that was my third ACL on my left knee. Actually, this is actually a good one. Um, since it was the third ACL on my left knee, they had to go into my right knee to take a piece of my patellar tendon to mm-hmm. repair it. Mm-hmm. So I had to walk around campus with two straight leg braces on. Um, and I just remember it was when I was high school, so many people made fun of me because I had two of those, you know, knee immobilizers on and I was kind of waddling through campus. And I remember people would stop their cars and they would take pictures of me and everyone thought it was hilarious, but really it was my world come, coming crashing down. Um, and that was, that was probably the hardest piece for me. Um, if you go on to, to my uh, physical therapy Instagram account, you know, you can see a couple pictures of, of me trying to come down the stairs and I have both of my leg braces on and um, it was brutal. That was, that oh was really goodness. not fun. Yeah, yeah, that was terrible. And I think people can be so cruel, right? And I think one of the hardest things is getting stuck in that cruelty cruelty, and having what other people say to you define you. But I think what you were what you've kind of said a couple of times is like, you know, this is your journey and people won't understand and you have to be, learn how to tune that out or to help educate people. But man, people are rude. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was awful. I understood that it was, you know, something that you don't see every day, but, uh, yeah. yeah. But give me a break. This is my, yeah, and you said it exactly right. You can see just your life, everything you worked for, and people are laughing at the state that you're in right now, and you just want to say, this isn't funny. No, it's it's not. It's very, very real and very, um, very serious. Like, mm-hmm. you know, ACL rehab is no joke. It's not like you you know, broke your wrist and you were casted for six weeks and you get your, your cast off and you're fine. Like right. it's, it's totally different. It's an investment of your time. And, you know, it really just takes a, takes a toll. It tests your patience. So during those last two, you said that the hardest part for you was really the mental side. What did you do uh, for, to address the mental side of those two rehabs? Um, you know, I talked to my family a lot. I really leaned on that support system. I just decided to stay as involved as possible. Um, I think that any time that you go through an injury like that, you naturally kind of want to stay home. You know, I can't, I can't play, so why should I go to practice? Um, and I decided that I wanted to be as involved as possible. I wanted to be a voice on the sidelines. I wanted people to know that I was there supporting them, um, but also trying to get better, you know, just because you're not on the field and and you can't be the one, um, you know, dictating the play, you can still be working on your fitness, you know, by 12 weeks, you can start to run on the treadmill, you could be in the weight room working on your strength, you could be 
studying film, just watching watching people play, kind of learning how to make decisions, um, getting better from an intellectual side of things. So I think that there's always a way that you can be getting better. And just because you're not on the field um, doesn't mean that you should be less involved. So that was kind of my mindset going into ACLs two and three. And do you feel like that, you know, the, the question was about how that helped you mentally. And it's interesting that staying involved and staying with um, around your team, you know, it seems counterintuitive, but that really helped your mentality and it helped you cope with maybe feeling, you know, you already feel like you're separated from the team. So to stick yourself back in there, it seems counterintuitive, but it actually helps. It can help a lot. Oh, a hundred percent. I think the worst thing that you could do going through an injury like that is to isolate yourself. You know, I think you need to be around your teammates. You need to be around your friends. You need to be leaning on them for support. That's what they're there for. So And laughing you know, with them in the that, locker room, right? That's so absolutely. important too. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. So mm-hmm. I would not remove myself just yeah. because of, of an injury or something like yeah. that. That's, I love that advice. And I want to talk now a little bit about, so growing up, did you think that this would be your career path where you are now as a physical therapist? No, not at all. What did you want um, to be? I, oh, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to play at the highest level and, um, you know, all that kind of, kind of stuff. So this was a little bit, I don't want to say it was like a curveball, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do initially. Yeah. So what happened, you know, how much of this, uh, ACL, the ACL injuries that you had during your career, how big of an impact was that on your now career path? Um, huge, definitely a huge influence. Um, you know, I was first exposed to physical therapy when I was 16 going through ACL number one. Um, and I decided it would be a pretty cool backup career, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went to college, I studied kinesiology at Penn State and then transferred to UConn and continued in the health science realm so that I could be prepared to go to physical therapy school if I wanted to. And then obviously, um, with everything that happened, ACL two and three, um, I got a bunch of extra eligibility, you know, with the NCAA, you can mm-hmm. red shirt and then you can grab your medical hardship. So girl, I got I had, that too. You know, six, yeah. Absolutely. Look at us. <laughs> so I got, I got six seasons of uh, division one soccer and I decided to pick up a master's degree in sport management with uh, some of my like extra time and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. Um, and there I kind of studied business and marketing and, um, a little bit of like sports psychology. I wrote my thesis in, in sports psych. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And then after retiring from elite soccer, I decided that I, you know, it wasn't feasible for me to make a career in soccer anymore. You know, my, my knees and my joints, it just wasn't a smart move for me mm-hmm. um, just because of the way that I'm built anatomically. I needed to, to kind of find a career that I could do long-term. And that's why I decided to, to go to PT school and um, kind of pay it forward to everyone else that's going through um, an injury, an ACL injury, just kind of do what my trainers did for me. And I want to get people back on the field doing the things that they love. 
And it's so important to thank those people, right? I think for you, your thank you for all those people that helped you is now you're going to be one of them, right? And helping other people. But we mentioned this a little bit before we started recording, but I, you know, there are many physical therapists that I have had that are so near and dear to my heart because you guys do so much work. You are helping us physically get back to where we need to go. But, you know, if you had the time and the ability to do it, you would sit there and talk with each patient as much as you could to help them on the mental side too. And I think that's one of the things that the reasons that I started the ACL club and I started this podcast is because as a physical therapist, you know, I, I wasn't called to do that exact, um, part of the rehab process. But I think one of the things that I appreciated most about my physical therapist was their willingness to help me on the mental side. And I was like, if I can create a tool and an outlet for them to use, and so they can focus more on the physical side, right? If physical therapists can see their patients every single day and their patients can be in a better mental state due to the work from the ACL club, wouldn't that be such a great combination of things where the physical therapist could do their best and this, the athlete could do their best because they're, they're both um, in the best state of which they're supposed to be performing. So um, yeah, I just want to say thank you to physical therapists because you guys really help in so many different ways. Absolutely. That's why we do what we do. Yeah. It's not just about, um, you know, like when we view patients, we can't look at them as a body part. We can't look at you as a torn ACL. We look at you as a whole person, you know, going through a struggle. And as you said, the physical piece is just as important as the mental piece. So that's part of why we, you know, we talk and we, we want to know what's going through your head and we want to be able to support, you know, our patients however we can. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now you have all this training and you have all this knowledge as a physical therapist. Looking back at your, you mentioned something anatomically about your body, but is there anything else about your, your movement patterns or anything that you knew about yourself growing up that you were like, man, I wish I would have known that before? Yeah. um, So I am very hypermobile. And what that means is basically my ligaments are made out of um, a collagen that's very stretchy and it's not as strong as the, you know, we'll say normal person. Um, you know, there's a bunch of different tests that you can do in PT. We call one like the bait and scale and we test, um, the flexibility in your fingers and your thumbs in your elbows and your knees and your spine. Um, and we come up with a number and basically if that number is, is higher than, you know, say, say four or six, we'll deem you as being a hypermobile person. And basically what that means is that you can't rely on your ligaments the way that a normal person can. So you have to be stronger. You have to be able to activate your muscles um, in the correct patterns. Um, So, you know, with them, we work on strengthening. We work on endurance of those muscles and we work on motor control. So we teach people how to move properly, um, you know, how to, how to activate those muscles in the proper sequence so that you don't find yourself in an injury provoking position. And that's called the bait and scale. Yes. So are you, what were you like, did you test yourself? Were you on, where were you on that scale? I think I was an eight out of nine. Okay. And so that means you're very high. So you're hypermobile. Yes. 
Okay, so that's something that you were like, if you would have known that, if you would have been tested for that as a youth athlete, you would have known, all right, I have to maybe do a, a little bit more activation before I go into soccer training today. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just, you know, I think if you are worried about getting an ACL tear or anything like that, you can always go through um, like a functional movement screen or any kind of like sport metrics test. That's like another software, but basically people that are qualified. So um, many physical therapists have their um, certification or athletic trainers also have their certification. Um, But basically people can watch the way that you move, um, the way that you jump, the way that you land, and they can identify different weaknesses um, and tell you, you know, there's a quantitative scale and they can kind of show you where you fall in terms of your risk. Um, So, you know, we, we had that at UConn, um, and a bunch of our teammates were kind of um, stratified into high, medium, and, and low-risk categories. So the high-risk categories went through a bunch of strengthening and, a, you know, a little bit of a different strength and conditioning program versus the low-risk players. So, um, you know, if you are worried about having an ACL tear, I would definitely yeah. advocate for, for going and, and just being screened. For you, that didn't happen until you were in college. So what are you doing now? Because I think this is really great. Not only are you a physical therapist, but you mentioned you're trying to help uh, athletes, young athletes, soccer players in general, either individuals or in groups, learn to move better. What does that entail? Yeah, so, um, you know, basically I'll take players in and I'll do like a functional movement screen of them. I'll see how they how they squat and how they land and how they jump. Um, I'll do a different, a bunch of different tests to kind of see what muscles are strong, which ones are weak, which ones are tight, um, that kind of thing. And then we'll come up with a program where, you know, we work on like a dynamic warm up. We'll work on a little bit of mobility work. You know, we got to stretch out some of those tight muscles so that, you know, your other, other muscles can activate in the proper, you know, length and pattern. Um, and then we'll do some, some strengthening, um, we'll work on a little bit of endurance and then we'll get to, you know, the movement patterns and we'll work on jumping and landing. We'll work on accelerating and decelerating. Um, and then we'll do some change of direction stuff. Um, so we kind of hit all aspects of the game. And obviously my intention is to have a ball at your feet for as much of the session as possible. Um, because I think that a lot of kids, you know, I want to, I want to hit maybe 13 to 18 year olds, you know, that's kind of mm-hmm. where, um, my target population is because, because the risk is huge after you're coming out of puberty. Um, but those kids, you know, they, you say ACL prevention and they want to go running for the hills. So put a ball at their feet, you know, kind of market it more as, um, performance enhancement, you know, we're going to get you quicker, uh, faster, stronger. And I think that you'll get more buy-in. So that's kind of my take on it. That's why, you know, I'm trying to make it as soccery as possible um, while hitting on the things that are important and that will keep you safe while you want, while you play. Performance enhancement. That's a really good way to market because it is right. If you can learn how to move properly, cut, land, jump, all those things, you are enhancing your performance because you are not, you know, it's a sport, so things happen outside of your control, but you are controlling what you can control, and that has been one of your biggest uh, things that's probably led you in this direction 
really underlying your your passion for this, helping people control what Absolutely. they can control. Absolutely, yeah. Do you feel like there's a also a... I don't know if cultural is the right thing, but something that we have to change as far as how we do look at this, that, um, you know, the way that sports work now in America, especially is you specialize in a sport really young and, you know, we can go on that topic for a long time, but I don't think it's necessarily the sports specificity that is, what's wrong it's the varying movement patterns so how do we you know trying to get kids to move in different ways you know this is easily incorporated for coaches into warm-ups you know getting proper activation done it's but it's a mindset right well are coaches willing to give their warm-up to these activation programs and teaching their their students, their kids, proper movement is, are the kids willing to do it? Are the parents willing to make it a priority for their children? You know, how do we change that culture of this is your sport and you want to play it and you want to play it all the time? Well, your body is your tool, so you must take care of it. Otherwise, just like any tool, it'll rust or it'll get damaged. And unfortunately for you, that means time away from the field. Right. Um, And, you know, I think that that's a question that a lot of people have asked. Um, You know, there's a bunch of different ACL prevention programs out there, the PEP, the WIP, the FIFA, you know, 11. 11. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everyone, you know, nobody has come up with a a real solution because, you know, nobody really knows what it's like or or what an ACL injury means until their kid goes through it or until it's you. Um, So I think that the biggest piece, Uh, that we're missing is kind of education. Um, You know, everyone needs to know what it means before it happens. So we're a very reactive uh, society from like a health standpoint, and we want to move towards more of a a, a proactive and prophylactic um, kind of methodology or ideology. Um, So I think that it's important just to, to kind of educate people what it means you know, an ACL repair costs anywhere from 17000 to $25,000. Um, what does that mean for your kid? It means six to nine to maybe even 12 months of rehab. It means an increased incident of knee osteoarthritis later in life. Um, so all of those things are very, very real. And I think that just people need to know. We have to do our best to kind of educate And, you know, that falls into physical therapist laps. It falls into athletic trainers, strength coaches, uh, athletic coaches in general. And then if you're going through an ACL injury, tell your friends, you know, just just talk about it. I think that that talk is the the biggest piece. I love that. And I think those those numbers and the reality of things make it stick in. And unfortunately, maybe with this epidemic that we are having, when people our age start to have kids, you know, we will understand and we truly do understand because if we haven't been touched personally by an ACL injury and you played a sport, you best believe that you know at least a few people who were significantly impacted by that. And I think even that knowledge, maybe this, maybe there is something good that comes out of this epidemic and we start to significantly impact the generations to come and allow them to find the importance of, you know, learning to, learning to use their bodies properly and as a tool and appreciating it by 
taking care of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a physical therapist, I'm curious, and I, I ask this a lot to different people because I just, the rehab process is so hard for me because I don't think it's long enough. I think that there, it depends on, on the person, but to the, a lot of the times when you get injured, people are like, oh, you're out for six months. And I think putting that timeline on in somebody's head right away is almost unfair because you're trying to either push for that six months to get back by that point, or if you're not back by six months, you're disappointed. And I think that's just setting people up for um, disappointment or failure or what seems like failure. Do you feel like, you know, in your ideal world, what do you feel like the rehabilitation process takes? How long? So, you know, that's kind of, it's different for everyone. It's very individual. It depends on, um, you know, your graft type. If you have an odd graft, meaning tissue taken from your own body or an allograft, meaning a cadaver. Um, it depends on different comorbidities. Did you tear your meniscus as well? Did you have other uh, ligamentous or bony involvement? Um, but, you know, for us in PT, we're trying to move away from time-based protocols meaning, you know, we don't want to necessarily tell a patient, okay, in six months, you'll be back. We want, we're working more towards milestone-based protocols, meaning, you know, once you can do X, Y, and Z properly, then you can return to sport, um, but no sooner than that. So, you know, I'll reiterate it, just, you know, we want to move away from the time-based and yeah. move more towards, you know, the milestone. So I'll typically, you know, when my patient asks, because everyone asks, yeah. you know, when will I be able to do what I want to do? Um, you can give them a general kind of idea, but until they're ready and they're strong enough and they're moving correctly, um, we won't release them to return to their sport. And it's not, you know, it's not because you failed or you're not doing um, well enough or you're not trying hard enough. It's just, you know, your body needs a little bit more time to kind of recalibrate, relearn the, the movement patterns, and we'll get you there. It's just, it's a, it's a waiting game. It's kind of you know, a test of your patience. I love that protocol type to uh, return to sport because for me, it's about becoming, using this process to become the healthiest version of yourself again. And um, my, you know, my journey is going to look completely different than yours, Julie, and that's absolutely fine. But if you get back to the point where you're the best you again and I get back to the point where I'm the best me and that's from foot to head right everything in between my knee my strength my mentality my proprioception right like my brain believing that I can do these things and my nerves everything firing at the same time it's going to look different because everybody's bodies are different but I think also accepting that and saying I don't have to be just like Julie. Can I acknowledge that she's working hard and trying to get back to where she wants to be and her journey looks different? Absolutely. And I can be happy for her, but it doesn't mean that I have to get back in that same amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Everyone's journey is different. Everyone's body is different. So everyone's recovery is going to be a little bit different. And, and that's why we don't have cookie cutter rehabs for mm-hmm. everyone, you know, the exercises that you do in rehab might be totally different than somebody else that tore, you know, their ACL. And that's okay. It just means that, you know, we're working on your specific weaknesses and they're working on theirs. Um, And if they get to the finish line before you do, it doesn't mean that you won't get there because you will. 
I love it. So you're doing so many great things in the Boston area. If people want to connect with you and if um, someone listening to this maybe has some friends who are interested in the the program that you've put together for athletes, how can they connect with you? Absolutely. Um, so I'm on social media. You can follow me on Instagram at um, Dr. J. Hubsey, or you can send me an email at julianhubbard at gmail.com. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very responsive to get back to you within 24 hours. I, I got to know Hubsy. Is that your nickname playing soccer growing up? That was. That <laughs> I was, love it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> at Penn State, I was Hubsy. Yeah. So. I love it. Shout out to all our Penn State girls, right? That, <laughs> that we know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So, Julie, you um, span all the different aspects of, of the ACL club from physical therapy to the mental part of it. You're helping with injury uh, prevention programs. But when you look down at your knees, this, this podcast is called Show Your Scars, and I like to ask people what their scars mean to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, they, they mean a lot to me, uh, just because I think with my most recent ACL tear, um, this year, I really kind of lost a sense of who I was. Um, I kind of like lost my athletic identity and I really questioned a lot of decisions that I've kind of made in my life. Um, and my scars just kind of remind me why I'm here, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, like I said, we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond. And, you know, I've decided to kind of find myself by getting lost in service to other people. So my scars are my scars and they mean to go out and help people. So I'm, I'm very kind of grateful for my journey and um, I don't think I'd, I'd change it at all. Wow, Julie, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing your story. That is so powerful. I loved having you on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. How about that? I got chills when Julie told me what her scars mean to her. I hope you guys had a good amount of takeaways from this episode. I think there's a lot of good things to learn. And one of the things that... Julie and I talk about and I think a little bit hit on is the idea that this is your journey too and her being a physical therapist now ask questions try to get involved as you as you can in your process your rehab process get to know what's going on in your body as why you're doing the things that you're doing and then on the other side of things stay involved with your team it really can help you The takeaways from this podcast and all the podcasts are immense. If you guys wouldn't mind taking a minute, going to iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast and writing a review, that would be awesome. It helps us get a little bit more leverage and get be able to help more people. It's really what it's about. The more reviews, the more people see it. So thank you guys. I really appreciate it. And it's your little way of helping out somebody else. Your review help somebody who hadn't seen the podcast before so I very much appreciate that thanks for your time thanks for your ear and listening to this go out there and whatever the day presents you show your scars with pride